God, great praise. Great God, great praise. Great God, great praise. Great God, great praise. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you high-five a couple of ladies on your way to your seat? Every time I come to the house of the Lord, no matter what condition I'm in, I wish I could say I came in here on a spiritual high every day, but I don't. But before I leave, I am. I'm intentional about my worship and my praise to him. I'm intentional, intentional about the things of God. We're living in the last days. I said we're living in the last days. Time out for fun and games, ladies. We have to be intentional about our walk with him. Intentional about holiness. Intentional about righteousness. Intentional about submission to our leaders, to your husbands, to your God. Intentional. If you're a first-time guest, raise your hand. If you're a first-time guest, go ahead, raise it high. We welcome you. We welcome you. We're so honored to be able to worship with you. TRC, we get crazy. <laughs> Kick off our shoes, let down our hair, because all we want is a move of God. That's all I come, I know the food's great, I know the decorations are nice, but I come for a move, a sovereign move of God. If you're a first time guest to an apostolic church, raise your hand. Any first time guests? Welcome, welcome. This is how we get down here. We're crazy about Jesus. And that's okay, you hang around, you're gonna be crazy about him too. Because it's like fire when it gets a hold of you. The word of God shut up in you. It becomes like fire. You can't help yourself. You can't contain it. You've got to break out and pray. Woo! Woo! Y'all look great tonight. Are you ready to are you ready to get busy tonight? Are you ready to get busy tonight? Are you ready to rage war on hell tonight? <laughs> Genesis 3:15. Enmity. Enmity between thy seed. Enmity. We're here to step on the devil's head, his head, his neck tonight, ladies. We're on the winning side. We're on the winning team. We're fulfilling prophecy in this house tonight. In Jesus' name. We have an amazing, two amazing speakers, women of God, women who are consecrated, dedicated, love God, love souls, love the word of God, you name it, love, 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 love. And I am honored and most happy that these two lovely ladies are here to deliver a word from heaven, a word from heaven for this house, for this hour, to fall on your ears. You're not here by accident. First time guests, you're not here by accident. God's gonna move in your life. I'm declaring baptism in Jesus' name and in filling of the Holy Ghost before we leave this place. And first, I would like to welcome Sister Pack. 
Sister Pack is a beautiful, beautiful woman. In the Bible, in the scripture, it talks about the elder teaching the youngers. So this is, this is scripture here. And Sister Pack is a tender soul. You might not see her run an aisle or hang from the chandeliers, but best believe she's praying and she's warring in the spirit every time. I don't know about you, but I, I, love, I love to pray and there's nothing as dynamic as a prayer warrior. Sister Pack is gonna come and talk to us for a few minutes. She's gonna give us what God has placed in her heart. We at TRC love you. We, are, we, we love you. We're behind you, Sister Pack. We want you to come and tell us, tell us everything that Jesus told you. And speak to our hearts, Sister Pack. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Why don't you come on up? Let's give her a hand clap. She tells me, she says, Sister Tabitha, we gotta know where we come from. We ladies have to know our history. This isn't some charismatic movement that just happened in the new age. There's deep roots to Pentecost apostolic. Deep roots, deep roots. And it's never changed. It's been the same today, yesterday, and forever. Sister Pack preached the word. Why don't we give her another hand clap? When I was a little girl, my daddy didn't always come home with a paycheck. A lot of times he stopped on the way. So the other night when the gentleman was preaching and he made the statement that he saw a man pick food out of a garbage can, I could identify with that man. I've been there, but I tell you what I learned. I learned that there were churches that had a thing called Vacation Bible School. So one month I was a Baptist, the next month I was a Methodist, and then I heard about the Holy now, these ladies knew you couldn't teach a child that's hungry. You gotta feed the kid first. And I learned what it was like to have women I never knew give you a hug and tell you you're a pretty little girl. I'm telling you that, Sister Hampton, because in 1961, I was married. Please sit down. Please sit. First, I want to thank First Lady, my hero. Let me tell you, there might be other First Ladies here, but that's the First Lady. Thank you, Sister Tabitha. Thank you, Sister. 
1961, I was married with a two-year-old daughter and a six-month-old son. And I wanted my children to have better than what I had. So we run around the corner on December the 24th at 7 o'clock back to the little Holy Roller Church because I figured if they could feed me when I was a kid and they could love me when I was a kid, they would help me when I was a girl. I'd like to introduce you, if I could, Brother and Sister Farmer. Brother and Sister Farmer built the first, please don't be upset the way I say this, they built the first white apostolic church in Louisville, Kentucky. Elder Brother Farmer could barely read. He could barely write his name but God gave him a divine revelation of the Godhead. He gave Sister Farmer a revelation of the secret weapon. And that's why I'm here. At Brother Farmer's church, they built it. It had no air conditioning. Only had the windows down the sides of the church. It had no heat. It had a pot belly stove. So in the summertime, when you had church, all the windows were open. Right around the corner from the church was what we called a beer joint. I think they call them a social club today. When the saints of God began to shout and worship the Lord in this little church, we saw drunks come around the corner. When you came into the church at Brother Farmer's, there was standing room only. We would have revivals. Church was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday, Thursday. When we had revivals, they would last two to four weeks. Very seldom did you ever get out of church before 12, 1 o'clock. But I saw miracles. I saw people carried out of church speaking in tongues. Little kids. Little kids would get the Holy Ghost and parents would have to carry them out because they couldn't stop them and they didn't even try. At this time, Ray and I had no car, so we had to walk to church carrying two kids. Ray carried Lena and Helen Matthew. Most of the time, especially if it was snowing or raining, we got a ride home. I learned about the secret weapon that Sister Farmer had. The secret weapon she taught you when you come into church, they taught you how to dress, how to talk, and, but there was a freedom 
that you ladies have here tonight, we didn't have back in the 60s. Trust me, if you couldn't sing, you didn't have a special talent, you wouldn't be here. Women had to learn to pray and worship in silence unless the power of God moved in the church. Everyone protected each other in this little tight church. Most of the people lived out of the city limits. But back then, when you had a telephone, if you couldn't afford a straight line, you had what they called a party line. One ring would be my phone. Two rings would be her phone. Three rings would be hers. We all knew whose telephone was ringing. So when it got on the third ring, we all reproduced at the same time. We had Bible study on the telephone. Church was not like it is now. It's not like what you're seeing now. The very first miracle that I saw, what I'm telling you I saw with my own eyes. And there's a reason I'm telling you these things. Because the lady that came into church, she lived out of the city. She came into the church with a large growth. I'd say the size maybe of an orange or more on the side of her neck. She came in, she sat down in a chair. Everybody gathered around this sister and prayed. Now, I hadn't been in church but just maybe a year, and I was nosy. If God's going to do something, I want to see it. I don't want to be back there. I want to be hands up. So I pushed my way till I got where the lady was. And I watched. Ladies, this thing dissolved right in front of my eyes. I watched it. It melted. The lady began to speak in tongues because she couldn't talk before because of this thing. She began to worship God, and I wanted to touch it. I told you, I'm hillbilly. I wanted to touch it. So I made sure that I got to hug the sister on the left side. Let me tell you, the left side of her face was painted the right So next time the lady come back to church, she came with her husband, who had taught her about going to church. It wasn't always easy for women years ago to go to church. Some were abused before they went. Some were abused when they got home. I'm not saying this because somebody told me. 
I'm singing for my soul. My soul be ever Jesus. Though we meet sister foreigners, say good Lord God. As long as I can remember, the woman and her husband came to church. There's a couple of more things that I saw. By this time, by 1968, we got a call. We got a call that there was a young blind boy that went to the blind school that had a Pentecostal background. Would somebody pick him up? We went and got him. The child was born with no eyes. I'd say he was probably 21, 22 years old. We picked him up, we brought him to church. He could only come on Sunday mornings because they had a regular schedule. They had to keep in the evening and at night time. One Sunday morning walking into church, it was like electricity was in the church. You knew something was unusual in this service. You knew something was going to happen. Before anything else could take place, somebody started saying, Jesus, Jesus. The power of God came down. The young man was sitting here on this row where the deaf mute people were sitting and they would do the sign language in his home. He could hear, but they wanted to make sure he understood. He could hear, he could speak. The power of God hit this young man. He danced from that side of the church all the way around this church. Never hit a chair stepped over people. This man is standing, laying on the floor here. The blind man gets here. Nosy again. I move up. I wanted to see this. He got here. And he shouted, all the way back to his seat. When he got to his seat, he's speaking in tongues and worshiping God. He held his hand out and set him down all the way back to the blind school. All he could talk about, I flew. I flew. I was off the ground. I was flying. That's God. That's God. Another time. Another time, another miracle was a man and woman who could see but could not hear, could not speak. This was at a nighttime service. The power of God fell. God filled them both with the Holy Ghost. 
He's healed. She's back in. God feels him. When she sees he's doing something, looking around to see what it is he's doing, she gets the Holy Ghost. She's laid out on the floor, speaking in tongues. God touches the man. He's standing there with his hands up. He's speaking in tongues. They worship the Lord. I don't think she ever got up. But he's standing here. They put the microphone in front of him so everybody could hear him. When he heard, he heard his self-speaking in tongues. That's me. That's me. That's me. The spirit lifted. But every time they come to church, they worshiped, and they got under the anointing. They can hear. They can speak. Now, this is a weird one. Ray and I lived in a, what they called a shotgun house. The front part of the house was the living room. Bedroom, bedroom, kitchen. But the living room was right here on the, on the sidewalk, a very busy sidewalk. What Ray and I did at nighttime, we bought a Victrola. Now, this record player, you could stack six long-playing records on it. So at nighttime, we would put a stack of records on the record player and go to bed with the music. Remember, the sidewalks right here, our beds right here. At 2 o'clock in the morning, there's no more music. It usually cut off about 12 o'clock. At 2 o'clock in the morning, God woke me up. I need to talk to you. So I slip out of the bed. I go to the living room, and I'm praying. I don't know how long I prayed. I have no idea. All of a sudden, there's somebody beating on our front door. Ray jumps out of bed. We close the door to the kids' bedroom. And Ray said, who is it? Who is it? This man is saying, I want to see the angels. I want to see the angels. Ray opened the door, and there stood this young man. He said, I'm walking down the street. I'm going home. You could smell the alcohol on him. Ray said, where do you live? He said, I live just a few houses right down here. He said, I got here to this house, and something pushed me up against that telephone pole, and I couldn't move. But I could hear angels talking. 
couldn't understand a thing they said, but I knew it was angels. He said, what are you people? We brought him in, set him down on a couch. About 10 minutes later, can I go to the house and get my wife and my mother? I said, sure, go get them. Turns out, you talk about winning the world, the man lived five houses down from me, and I never saw him. He goes, comes back. I've been on a pot of coffee. At 3 o'clock in the morning, we are witnessing to this man and woman. And by now, let me tell you, the man is as sober as I am. It turned out the next night was church night. Eleven people in this family was baptized in the name of Jesus. I am all right. Eleven people. Eleven people. They moved out. They went to another place. And as far as I know, they're still living in the Lord. Sometimes, sometimes when you go to win people, maybe you need to walk around your neighborhood. Won't hurt. What do you got to lose? In 2008, we moved to Daytona Beach. We started going to a small church in Daytona, working to help them. We saw a lot of people baptized. We saw a lot of people. Ray drove the van, and sometimes he would drive three loads of people to the Sunday morning service. We saw people dressed and just about undressed, baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. They went... They went and got a swimming pool. What a blow-up swimming pool. We're baptizing people out in the parking lot. God's filling them with the Holy Ghost. They never had on a dress. Their hair hung every which way. Some of them had on very little clothes. But God filled them with the Holy Ghost. He didn't look what they was wearing. I don't think he even seen what they was wearing. But he sure did fill them with the Holy Ghost. Mine and Ray's health started going down. Our daughter and our son-in-law lived here in Fort Myers. They want us to move to Fort Myers. They start hunting a house for us. We were going to move here to be close to our children. Couldn't find a house. I told Lena, I said, I don't care what you all do. I want to go to church. I want to see this rock church. I want to see this place for myself. 
If this preacher's that good, I want to hear him myself. I don't want no CDs. I want to. I'm still nosy. I want to see. I want to see the real thing. We came in the front door here on a Sunday morning. A little sister grabbed me like she knew me all my life. Had no idea who the little girl was. Took me a little while to find out. It was Sister Selene. That girl grabbed me, wanted to know everything about me. She looked at my husband and said, I want you to give me a Bible study. Ray looks at me and goes, who is that? I don't know. The outside of that door is one thing. But you know, sometimes we get into a place to where we take everything for granted. Sometimes these services that I've seen this church, you take for granted. Women, Sister Tabitha, there is no way on this planet you would have ever got here. There's no way I would have ever got here. It was a different world for women back then. But let me tell you, when that little girl opened that door, it was like electricity. Woo! It was, it was, it hit you. And I looked around and go, whoa. We sit right over there in that back row. Preacher got up. Now, I am Southern gospel singing, okay? So this kind of singing was all new to me. But I learned to get in it. I figured if you can do it, I can do it. I never saw ladies jumping up and down before. Never seen that. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, why are they doing that? The little voice spoke to me and said, go back to Main Street. Go back where you come from. You don't know what she's going to face when she goes home. You have no idea what they faced when they left the house. So I'm going, jump, sister, jump. Jump. Jump all you want. We leave here. We leave here that Sunday morning. We're going back to Daytona Beach. This is the part I like. We're going back to Daytona Beach. Now, every afternoon, my husband does what he calls studying. He goes into the library. He puts on a CD, and I wait. As soon as I hear the snoring, I'm gone. I'm gone, baby. We had all the moving boxes that we moved from Louisville to here. Well, 
four and a half, two hours every day. Ray very seldom ever went out to the shed. Thank God. But I left out enough tools that if he needed a Phillips screwdriver, a flathead screwdriver, a hammer, or a wrench, I got them laying right there. I packed up everything I could pack up. I stacked them up and I put a blanket over them. He never knew. Never knew. We'd come back the next week to look at a house. <laughs> the house had steps, and I'm not good on steps. It wasn't it. So we come to church. Same thing hit you. Soon as the lady opened the door, same thing hit you. On the way back to Daytona Beach, I told Ray, what do you think about really moving over there? Lena's a good cook. We can get a good meal every now and then. And if we got sick, there would be somebody to help us. Yeah. And I said, you know, I really like that preacher. But let me tell you what else I liked. Lena pointed out his wife. Don't get me wrong. If there's other first ladies here, sorry. This is the first lady. I watched you people. I watched her. I asked Lena, do they have any kids? Lena points them out. I start watching them. The thing that I noticed about this lady, she's not what I call a butterfly. A butterfly is a sister that goes from here to here, to here, to here. And everywhere she goes, she's laughing and cutting up. And I thought, wait a minute. What's going on here? She come the second time I was here. She put her arms around me. I was right back on Main Street. I was right back where I was when I was a kid. Well, you're never too old to start over. Never. I'm in my 80s. How deep in my 80s is none of your business, but I'm in my 80s. I started sitting up in the balcony. And I wanted to watch. I wanted to watch the choir. What do they do when they're not singing? I did notice that every time you come to church, everybody's the walking as people I ever seen. They walk back and forth praying. 
There's not a group over here talking and laughing. There's not a group anywhere. Well, we moved here full time. What I couldn't pack, I put out for garbage. What I couldn't put out for garbage, I called a thrift store. Come and get it. We're out of here. I want to tell you what Sister Farmer's secret was. I need you to listen very close. Don't raise your hand. Don't say, I want to do this. Don't say, I want to be part of this. Until you really seek God. On All Nations Sunday, Ray was over the COVID-19, we came. I couldn't see anything sitting out there. So I go back up to the balcony. I'm in the balcony. And God said, you can tell them now. I said, are you sure? God said, I can use these people. You can tell them now. I have never in all my life seen a group of people like the people in this church. Never. Never. You have been able to put aside your cultures, what you believe, how you believe. You've been able to sit it down, come together, and unite in a way that women have, have never seen women work like this church. Never. I've never seen it. When she's not talking about God, she's praying. She's not jealous of Sister Tabitha. When this one is singing, that one's worshiping with her. There's no jealousy. There's no envy. There's no... You can do this better than me. There's none of them. There's none of them. I've never seen that before. So, ladies, Sister Farmer called this a fast rope. Guess they've never heard of a fast chain. When you came into church, you were mentored, and the elder ladies told you, we have a thing that we do, that we fast. Someone is fasting every day. 
there's a power that comes together when people fast and pray. I really believe with all my heart, if you notice in the last year, almost every man of God that has stood here has made a remark about this church being different. This church has got a revival. Even Tuesday night when the man preached and the man that they came over the bus ministry, he made the statement, this place is unusual. Let me tell you what. When I tell you about the fast world, I'm not talking about fasting for a week. I'm not talking about fasting for a month. It started in 1962. January 1962, I received the Holy Ghost. I was what they call in a feeling faster. If you got sick, you couldn't fast, you call me, I'll take your place. The fast chain went every day. In 2008, I lost 16 members of my family. From 2011 to 2018, I buried 16 people. I couldn't keep the fast until I came here. And the grief and the sadness left. What I'm here to tell you is God wants to work in this church. Standing up there, watching these people sing, God let me know he wants to come down. He wants to show his glory. He wants you to see what he can do. <laughs> Sisters, it's in your hands. Thank you. Why don't we stand? Lift your hands, y'all. The Holy Ghost is in here right now. Thank you, Jesus. I want to fast more. I want to pray more. In the name of Jesus. Help me never to forget, Lord.
Hallelujah. We're a blessed people, women of God. Miracle signs and wonders in these last days, God. Show it to us, Jesus. Help us to position ourselves, God, for the miraculous in this hour, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Sister Pat. Why don't we just give God another praise? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You may take your seats. If you are, first let me recognize my first lady, Sister Williams. If you don't know, like we know, TRC, we know. She's a mother definitely for this church in this hour that we need. She teaches us that living for God is not for the faint. She loves us. She nurtures us, but she pushes us. She sees the limit. She, she knows that there's no limit. She knows that we have more potential in this hour than we ever could. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, First Lady. If you're a First Lady in this house, will you please stand? First Lady Campbell. First Lady Espindola. First Lady Espindola, um, I don't want to embarrass you tonight, but I want to ask you to join us up here, please. First Lady, will you join us, please? To the pulpit, please. We have a cadet for you. Pretty please. <laughs> Y'all, let's give him a hand clap. The men of God that are watchmen, watching over souls in their cities, have women on their side. They're not trophy women. They're not caddy women. They're not women of strife and contention. They're not women who are so interested in their clothes or their what, the bank accounts. Or They are women on the side of great men of God in this hour. Praying, leading, and I just want to recognize them tonight. We have a great heritage, women of God, and we have a great responsibility and great shoes to fill. And the only way we're going to do it is if we get alongside these great women of God. And we have, like Sister Pack, she we have to watch them. How do they pray? How do they handle adversity? How do they handle pressure? How do they contend for the faith? We're not, the world has a spirit. There's a spirit out there, a competitive spirit amongst women. But it doesn't happen in these women here. Not, not, in, this, not in these first ladies here. So they are our example in this hour. And I don't mean to embarrass you. I don't. But I feel so strong in the Holy Ghost to have you right here on this pulpit. As Sister Parker comes to deliver a word from God, hang on in there with us. We just, we had the appetizer. But now we're having the main course tonight. And I want to know if you'll stand with me, please. 
Sister Parker is the First Lady of Bradenton. I had a pleasure of conversing with her, asked her to come and preach for us today for the Give Thanks Women's Conference. I'm calling it a conference because I'm speaking in the prophetic. And we talked for a little bit, and she shared her heartbeat with me. And one thing I'll never forget what you told me, Sister Parker, is that you felt a call to Bradenton. And she and her husband and her church and her wonderful daughters and daughter-in-laws and sons are soul winners. Yes, soul winners. Not soul getters, soul winners. There's a difference. And when you shared with me, Sister Parker, that you heard souls crying out in the city of Sarasota, how you were praying and you literally heard souls crying out in the city of Sarasota, that challenged me. That challenged me. Have I prayed to where I've heard the cries of souls? I, I, I could imagine I wouldn't get any rest. It's a heavy burden. Sister Parker, I thank you for being here. We're here to receive whatever it is that God gives you. In the name of Jesus. It's an honor to be here tonight. I'm thankful. Thankful to be in an apostolic. I want to thank Bishop Williams and First Lady of the Rock Church, their family in this Rock, this Rock Church of Fort Myers, for their leadership. Support. Unwavering support. Because when God calls you, Far away, you need somebody. Thank you, Rock Church, for sharing your bishop and your first lady with Calvary Apostolic Church of Bradenton, Florida. First lady, thank you. This church means so much. The Women's Life Ministry, Sister Tabitha Holt, all of you, oh my goodness, this is so beautiful. Thank God for an apostolic church that preaches truth. You know what? We're in the right place at the right time. See, God. I didn't know who I was going to be here, but God did. Can we just give him praise right now? Oh, God, I need...
thankful for my husband, my family, our church family. You see them, they're right here. Raise your hands. <laughs> we had a whole bus full, y'all. And you know what? We're home missions work, and you wouldn't think this would be possible, but we got enough CDL bus drivers where they can trade off. <laughs> Sister Becky took the wheel. Uh, we stopped to get some drinks, and uh, the guys, we got guys at Cheddar's and, and Academy, and I said, now, y'all going to be walking through Academy praying for me, right? Well, Mom, <laughs> I've been praying for you. <laughs> um, tonight, this may be a little different. Sister Pack, I don't know where she went. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. We need elders in our life. I, I want old-time Pentecost. I, I want them old stories. I want to know them old stories, but I want to experience them. I don't want to just hear them, Sister Pat. I want to experience what you've experienced. I want your mantle. Pray for your elders. We need them. This is what God laid on my heart. So my, my scripture is Psalm 77, 19. I don't know if it's going to be on the screen. Uh, this, is what God, this is what God gave me. So if you've got a Bible with you, I want you to read it out loud with me if you can, okay? Psalm 77, 19. Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Tonight, at this Give Thanks Ladies Conference, I'm going to speak to you about the unseen, the unknown, the invisible. Can we pray right now? Let's ask God to touch our hearts, to open our minds, to hear His voice for whatever He's doing in this season. God, I'm asking you tonight, Lord, to bless your word, Jesus. God, you can be seated. The commentary on that scripture reads, the sea and great waters are metaphors for the profound process of individual spiritual formation that is necessary for doing work in the kingdom of God. It is impossible to trace God's footprints in the sea. His ways seem hidden. Yet only those who go into these great waters See the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. 
When you look up uh, the definition for wonder, I want y'all to listen to this carefully. I, I, I just, I don't know. I just loved it when I read this. A feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, and unfamiliar. Do you know God likes to surprise us? Um, when you can't see where God is and when you can't see what he's doing, you trust him. I've been in places in life where I could see him. I didn't know where he was. His ways seemed hidden. Tonight I felt God lay on my heart to share my journey with you. And I am going to try my best to be mindful of the time. I don't want to hold anybody longer than what I should. I think they have cooked up a feast in there. <laughs> Thank God for all the workers. God's going to bless them. Thank you so much. <clears throat> the beginning of the year 1980, there was a young married couple. And the wife found out that she was pregnant. She went to her husband and told him that they were going to have their first baby. And he looked at her and he said, I'm not ready for this. You know what to do. She said, you, you want me to have an abortion? And he said, yes, I'm not ready for that. And this young bride got off alone with God and talked to him and I don't think at that point she really had a real close relationship with God maybe maybe she was just trying to find him you know some people even though they don't have a walk with God some people acknowledge there is a God they just don't know how to really touch him and she was devastated because she wanted this baby. And she said, God, what do I do? Crying. And God spoke to her. And he said, she's mine. And on, seven, on September 14th, 1980, I was born. So... I wasn't supposed to be here, <laughs> but God. <laughs> See, God has a plan for your life before you're ever born. He already knows your name. So he's got a purpose for us. We got to find our purpose. So my dad left um, after that, you know that, and... I grew up without a dad. Um, I was raised in the projects in an alcoholic abusive home. My mom's boyfriend moved in with us. He was a severe alcoholic. Uh, stemmed from his past. His father was an alcoholic, and so he was carrying on. And uh, 
during the week, he was sober. He would work. He was a bricklayer. He was a pretty good guy. But it was the weekends, every weekend, he would have my mom, because uh, he didn't have a driver's license, he would have my mom uh, help him to cash his check. And all that money went on alcohol and drugs. And so every Friday evening, it was Domino's Pizza. I still remember the box of Domino's Pizza sitting on the table. The beer cans, the 12 packs, the, the big tall bush in the brown paper sack. And he would drink until those memories from his past started coming back to his mind and he would get angry. And I don't know if you've ever been around somebody like this, but the anger built listening to that worldly music, same old song, every Friday night to where there was only one target in the room, and that was my mom. I stayed in the back bedroom. My grandpa Bill built me a dollhouse, and uh, that's what I'd done with my time. I had my dolls, my dollhouse, and I tried to block the screams and the fighting just playing with my dolls. But he would beat her unmercifully. I don't know how many times as a young girl I walked into the living room and seen her, him beating my mom's head up against the wall and mom screaming and crying for help. We didn't have a phone. We didn't have a car. And when these things would happen, I had an elderly neighbor next door. And I would slip out the back door in the middle of the night and, and, and knock on her bedroom window, and I would ask her to call the police. And I would come back in, and I don't have time tonight to really go into detail, but I, this, was, this was my home life. Uh, I remember uh, being broken into uh, one night, and it was over drugs, and, and I remember the sound of the front door being broken in. Three people came in and uh, took my mom's boyfriend to the back bedroom and I seen him take a knife to his throat and they were threatening him and then uh, a full grown man and I can take you to the place where I was standing a full grown man walked in the kitchen where my mom was and began to beat her with a metal baseball bat Nobody knew about that little girl in that project because I didn't tell nobody. Miss, my neighbor, she, she called the police for me. But I never had DFS show up at my apartment because if they had him, I'd have been taken away. So I lived with don't tell nobody because if they find out, you'll be taken. So I didn't tell nobody. I didn't open up and, open up and talk about it until I was like 16 years old. I didn't want nobody to know. But they beat her uh, with that metal baseball bat. And I, I remember going out the back door and I, I, I got uh, my neighbor, uh, please call the police. My, they're, they're trying to kill my mom. And honestly, I thought they had. And I come back in the door, and my mom is laying 
on the floor in the kitchen and she's crying out for help. And the lady that had broke in uh, with those two men had tall spike heel boots. And she had just lifted her heel, her spike heel, and I heard her say, I'm fixing to shove all your teeth down your throat. And when she went to move the heel, the sirens came and they started running and they took off and left my mom laying there and screamed at us and said, we'll be back. So I lived in fear. Um, there was nights that my mom had taken a job and um, just trying to help pay bills and it was a night job. And I remember uh, a boy I went to school with one night, uh, <clears throat> mom's boyfriend had, had waited. You know, they know how to do things. They waited till she left, and I noticed that there was a bunch of men in, the, in, in some cars that I'd never seen before, and uh, when mom left, um, I, I watched them open up the trunks and bring out the uh, coolers full of beer and you name it, and so they're I don't know how many there was going into my apartment. Well, I didn't want to stay there. I didn't want to be there with that mess. And I remember in the middle of the night, walking across the street, and uh, one of the neighbors there across the street, it, she was the mother to the boy I went to school with. She was handicapped and was in a wheelchair. And I knew that if I had to wake her up in the middle of the night, it was going to be hard for her to let me in. But she woke up and she let me in her, her home. And I remember calling my mom and I told her what happened. And she said, ask Miss Shirley if you can just sleep on her couch. You know, God will always provide help. Don't ever forget that Psalms 46 and 1 says that God is a present help in time of trouble. You know what? I couldn't see God then. But there was an apostolic family in those apartments. They looked different. They talked different. And I, no I noticed. And uh, I started playing with the little girl. And one day they invited me to church. I was very young. And I remember crawling in the back seat of that car and walking into them doors and hearing the sound of the organ, the preacher preaching. It was an apostolic church. And I didn't look like them. I didn't have the Sunday school dresses, little church shoes. I didn't have that. But I felt something that was real. I felt peace that I had never felt before. And they treated me like I was part of the family. Do you know how important it is to feel like you've got family when you got nobody? My mom, my mom let me go to church and she was so glad that I was, that I had found an apostolic church because she had been backslid but truth was down in her heart. But you know what? 
Nobody knew. This is, this is so important for Sunday school teachers to understand where your children lives at and where they're coming from. When you're teaching that Sunday school class, I, I love for Sunday school teachers to go on outreach because you need to know what your children are facing. You got to know what's going on in their life because you are highly valu valuable to them. They're depending on us. And you know what? I never told anybody, but when that, that family took me in and, and showed me truth and, and uh, you know what? I went to the altar. When you got children coming into this place, Make sure you pray with them because when you don't have a daddy to pray with you, there's men in the church that God will put a burden on them to be a father figure in these children's lives. And I depended on men and women in the church to mother me and father me because Psalm 68 and 5 says that God is a father to the fatherless. But Psalm 68 and 6 says that he said it to solitary in families. It's the will of God. For us to go to church, go to his house, Acts 2.38, they taught me this, repentance, be baptized in Jesus' name, every one of you. It doesn't say some of you. It doesn't say if you want to. It says every one of you in the name. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And they taught me this. And I remember going to an altar and crying, Sunday school teachers praying with me, and uh I got baptized at eight years old in Jesus' name. And I felt, I felt, I felt different. I felt clean. And, but I still had to go back to the broken home, but God went with me. He's a good God. <laughs> he was watching over me, and I didn't even know it. And so uh, they hooked me up with the bus ministry, brother and sister Gunn, so precious. And they have gone on. To, to meet their reward, and what a reward they have. Oh, my goodness. I wish I could have seen what was happening when they walked past the gates of heaven. They devoted their entire life to Sunday school and bus ministry. And if it wasn't for their burden, I wouldn't be here tonight. If it wasn't for the family that took me in, I wouldn't be here tonight. We got to disciple these Sunday school children. He did, Brother Gunn, when he would, him and his wife would come and pick me up on Sunday mornings and pull up into the projects, everybody in the apartment would be asleep. A lot of fighting, you know, went on in the night, and Danny would sleep during the day, but I would wake up to the sound of the horn, and you know what? They waited for me. They waited for me, and they did not know that I was walking over pieces of broken glass to get to the church bus. Nobody knew but God. God saw me. But you know what? I'm not here tonight to give you a sad story. I don't want anybody to think that I'm giving a self-pity me. No, God had to bring me from that place because now I have the burden for bus ministry. See, I'm a product of it. When I see a bus, I see a soul-saving station. Woo! If you're, if you're not a part of a bus ministry, I promise it's the will of God. I promise. We can fill up our cars. I remember one night there was a crock pot boiling. Mom had cooked some beans, and it was hot. And I'll never forget him uh, being so angry at my mom, taking that crock pot and pouring those hot boiling beans down my mom's back. 
and looking at me and her and say, I, I wish you both would just burn in hell. Baptized at eight years old. I got the Holy Ghost at 14. I have never left the church. I always had to have a ride, but God always provided. So I'm 41, and I've never smoked, I've never drank, I've never been, done drugs, I've never been to a bar. I thank God for that. So at, at, a, at a young age of 17, I don't encourage our young people to do this, but in my situation, I got married, and I don't regret one bit. God blessed me with the best husband that you could ever find on the face of the earth. I married a pastor's son, and uh, my pastor and pastor's wife at that time became my mother and father-in-law, and I loved them dearly, and God used them in my life and still does. They're such a part of our church, and I wanted them to be here. She texted me uh, before the service and said, I wish I was there. I love you. But you know what? She taught me how to cook for preachers. Well, I didn't know then I was going to have to know all that, but see, God did. <laughs> um, you know, my mom and grandma had texted me before church. Mom said, Mom is here. I love you. I'm so thankful. See, God has been working in my mom's life since she was the victim. She was the one laying on the floor crying out for help. And so I've never stopped praying for her. And she prays and she uh, seeks the face of God and she loves what's happening in Bradenton and she wants to come. And I'm excited about that. I got an 82-year-old grandma that I could never get to. I, I just couldn't get her to a Bible study. I, I couldn't get her to go to church with me. And she's listening right now. <laughs> but you know what happened? You know, sometimes you just got to keep on praying. Don't ever stop. Don't ever give up. And sometimes it's hard to win your own family, okay? Well, my daughter went through Hope Corps, and it just so happened I knew it was coming up that she was going to have to teach a Bible study to somebody who never had one. I said, Danielle Marie, call Grandma Shelby. I said, she'll do it. Because she knows you're going to get a grade for this, and she wants you to get a good grade. Well, Grandma didn't know my secret agenda. <laughs> so sure enough, she, she gave Grandma a Bible study. It's just supposed to take an hour. Well, her Bible study took three hours because Grandma had a lot of questions. Well, I was fasting and praying and, and off in another room saying, God, please open my Grandma's heart. And you know what? Danielle come out of there, and she said, Mom, uh, Grandma Shelby, we're finished. She asked a lot of questions. She said, but Grandma wants to be baptized in Jesus' name. You know what? It was during COVID when we wasn't even supposed to go anywhere. It was restrictions and lockdowns. We traveled a 1,000 miles, and my husband baptized my grandma in Jesus' name. 
So she is seeking for the Holy Ghost, and I asked God to give her the Holy Ghost during this service today. God can give it to her in the apartment. I'm thankful for my family. So God blessed me with three children that love God, and now he's blessed me with more children that I can even count. And so I'm a, I'm a mama, I'm a nana, I'm a shy shy. Kate, little Kate, if you guys see my post, I post about him. Danielle had a little video in a, he, you know, he's getting older. He's four years old, but he's getting a little attitude. And I think he's getting it from Rodney Rathbone on Odyssey. And I love Adventures in Odyssey. And, uh, but he's, he's picking up stuff. And he, there's a little video, and he says, I went into Fort Myers, and the little girl said, hey, cutie pie. <laughs> I love it. But Kate said he wanted to come with me to the women's conference. Danielle said, Mom, he don't really want to come for to hear you. He said, she said, he just wanted to come see the girls. <laughs> so I'm a nana, and now home missions pastor's wife, and I don't know how, but I still have brown hair. So I'm just waiting. I had a dream recently that I woke up, and I looked in the mirror, and my hair was all gray. And I love gray hair. I don't want anybody to be offended at me. I love it. But I did, I did wish that I could keep my brown hair just a little bit longer. So we've been married for almost 24 years. I thank God for that. And uh, so I'm going to jump a little because I can't tell everything. So uh, early in my husband's ministry, when God, he's always had a calling on his life, and y'all don't know what we've been through. But he's always had a calling on his life, and it just seemed like God just had us through a crushing place. You ever felt that? See, sometimes God just has to break you in real, real good. And you just have to endure it. And so, felt a burden to start a Christian school. Didn't feel like that I was really even, that I really even knew what I was doing. But there was just this burden. And so, I wanted our children to, to hear truth every morning. And we started a Christian school from scratch. And God blessed it. God blessed it, and it's still going today, and I'm so thankful. I love Christian school. And this was years ago in uh, the state that we came from, Missouri. And we, we become youth leaders and worked with young people. And I remember the youth prayer meetings, and, and uh, some of them are preachers today, and I'm thankful for that. And I'm looking forward to hearing him preach. I'm waiting. I'm sitting on the sidelines. I'm asking, hey, is he preaching yet? Because I know he's got the call of God on his life. And um, so uh, during that time, my husband was working a full-time job, youth leader, Christian school. We were, so we were busy. And then something happened. <laughs> and I went to peak. And I seen the Hope Corps presentation. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, no, surely not. Surely not God's telling me to do this, because this is for the young people, and I'm, I'm in my 30s. And I kept looking at it, and I went, 
you know what, it just may be for me. Maybe God wants me to do this. And I thought, well, I got a teenage son, and I got a teenage daughter, and so maybe I need to do this so they'll do it. So I talked to my husband, and he said, no, I'm not, but you can. Well, God worked that out. (laughs) Sometimes I just have to get off in a corner and say, okay, God, did you hear what he just said? (laughs) I'm telling off on myself. Um, And you know what happened? He, he, I didn't know he was doing this. That Monday morning, he called uh, Hope Court, and now they did their job real good. Sister Kendra Stevens, if you and your mom is listening, I love y'all. But they said, well, Brother Parker, uh, if you'll just go ahead and enroll into uh, Hope Court, well, we'll just transfer everything off over into Wilson University, and you won't have to worry about transcripts and all that. You'll just be able to transfer from there to there. He went, sounds like a good plan. That's what I want to do. So we went through Hope Corps together. I did not know, I did not know that God was fixing to rock our world. So there's a book from Sister Joy Haney, When You Pray. Has anybody read it? Well, we had never read it, and that was our assignment. And so my husband was, uh, he come to me, he said, Cheyenne, he said, I see this book. We got to read. He said, what's it about? I, he said, what, have you read it yet? And I said, well, I'm starting it. I said, uh, just read it. It's good stuff. Well, he starts reading it, and he couldn't put it down. He read the whole thing in one night. I sent Seth to the bedroom. I said, go check on Dad. And he goes and checks on his dad. He said, Seth, come back. He said, Mom, Dad's crying. I said, well, that's good. That's good. Just let him keep on reading that book. See, God was dealing with his heart about his ministry. He just didn't know what to do with the calling that God had placed on him. And we didn't know that God was opening doors for a, a huge burden. God was just getting us ready. So I waited, and here he comes in the living room, swollen face tears running down his face, he just lays across the living room floor and begins to weep. So God was doing some things to us. And uh, I remember in December of 2014, in the middle of uh, taking my Hope Corps uh, lessons, and Sister Norma Cabral was my Hope Corps professor. I love her. She's very, very special to me. And uh, she really ministered to me in a powerful way through those assignments. And something happened to me. And I didn't know what to do with this burden. But I started feeling a burden to start a bus ministry. Now, where I was, they had never, uh, the churches that I had come from after I had become a teenager didn't have a bus ministry then. And so this was something new. But I was a product of bus ministry. That's how I got in the church. So I knew it worked. I had just been years away from it. And so I remember on a Saturday morning after teaching school all week, on a Saturday morning I turn on the message, Brother CLDs, the task, the challenge, the result. And I finished, I was cleaning house, listening to it, and the message was so powerful, I went to my bedroom, laid across the bed, and cried like a baby. And I said, God... I feel the same burden that I felt when you wanted me to start the Christian school. If this is your will, please uh, provide me a 15-passenger van that's paid for. 
Well, I called my husband. He's at work. We're youth leaders. We're doing all this. And he said, Cheyenne, how can you put anything else on our platter? And he stopped and he said, if it's God's will, it'll happen. And you know what? It happened. God laid it on a young man's heart, a pastor's son, my pastor at the time in Racine, Missouri, and he bought, he bought a 15-passenger van and it's paid for. And you know what? We were able to start bringing in children in our vehicle uh, in that van, and then God blessed us with a bus that was paid for. Hey, God can move on somebody to write the check. This is about the kingdom. It's not about us. And so, uh, so we, we, went, we finished our courses in Hope Corps, went to Manhattan. That was the beginning of everything. But Andrew Bentley said something that totally broke everything in my, in my husband's life. God used Brother Bentley in such a way. He said, God is not looking for ability. God is looking for availability. Well, I remember my husband crying. You know, they took us out into the streets. We went to the projects, Lower East Manhattan. And uh, my husband knocked on a, on a, a door that day. And a, a, a Chinese man came to the door with his two beautiful children. And they couldn't speak uh, English uh, very well. But there was something about them. And my husband was trying to communicate with the man and told him, we come by today to invite you to service tomorrow, and I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. And that man looked at my husband and said, Jesus, I've never heard that name before. Who is he? Oh, you talk about breaking my husband. We went back to the Hope Corps Center and just cried and wept in prayer. Some of the most powerful prayer meetings I remember was at our ITW in Manhattan. I got back on the plane, and we got home. And that Saturday morning, I put on my Hope Corps uniform, and I looked at my kids, and they was looking at me. I said, we're going on outreach. We're going to knock doors. Well, Danielle said, Mom, please don't tell this story. I'm sorry, Danielle. She's the most, she was, she's not anymore. She was the most bashful, shy girl you could ever find in the whole world. And she didn't, my kids have never been rebellious or disobedient. I thank God for that. She was willing, but not because she wanted to. She said, Mom, everybody's staring at us. This is crazy. And I said, Sissy, God told me to do this. And so she was 14 years old. We knocked 21 doors in a trailer park and never got a response. But that next door, a little eight-year-old girl came out. And I said, is it all right if we talk to your mom and dad? And she said, I don't have a dad, but you can talk to my mom. And when she said that, I knew I was right where God wanted me to be. She was our first Sunday school bus rider. She was our first one to get baptized in Jesus' name. And my daughter went home that day and said, Mom, I think I just felt my purpose and my calling. And you know what? We've been doing bus ministry ever since. Hadn't stopped one time. Don't want to stop. And so we've done that for a year. We, we got... When, 
after we got home from, from Manhattan, we went to peak that 2015 in July, and Brother Nathaniel Urshan preached, come and go away with me to the other side. It was the last service. And oh my goodness, we cried like babies. And we got home, and that Monday morning, my husband called me and he said, Cheyenne, God's dealing with me. He said, I don't have any answers, but God wants me to become available. And for us to do that, I'm going to have to sell everything. And I said, okay. Well, Danielle never hesitated. She, she was ready for something to happen. She just got up, and I heard pots and pans going in a box, and she, she was already packing. And I said, God, what are you doing? What's going on? And it wasn't that I didn't trust my husband. It was just, have you ever just needed God to just tell you something, just speak to you? I said, God, would you speak to me? And my husband had a big old Bible on the table. And I don't know if anybody else has ever done this. This is me. I said, God, I'm going to close my eyes and I'm not feeling around on the pages. And I said, wherever it opens, that's what you have for me. So I never, I, I hurry up and didn't touch hardly anything. And just enough to open the Bible. And when it opened, I went, <gasps> it opened to Jonah chapter 1. I said, okay, God. I am not going to be Jonah's wife. I'm out of here. And so sometimes you just need to, <laughs> when God tells you one time, do it. Don't make him tell you twice. And so we did. And things, you know, oh, God, I'm available. I'm available, God. I want you to use me. God heard it. He said, okay, I will. So we packed all our stuff. We were going to go to Summit to graduate. And we, uh, we found a travel trailer that would work with three kids. And we gave them the money for the travel trailer. And they were in a, uh, trying to get into a house they were remodeling. And we just gave them some money for some money flow so they could finish what they had going in the house. And so they said, well, give us two weeks. Well, things don't always go as planned. If you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. I don't think this has ever happened to anybody in the whole globe. And if it has, I, I, I would like to meet them. But circumstances came up, and they was not able to release the travel trailer. And here we are in the back bedroom at Momo's house. All five of us, our suitcases, well, thank God that my husband had loving, godly parents to let us in. And it was a trying time because we paid for it in September, August, September. But the travel trailer didn't become available until December. And I was thinking, God, what are you doing? I, I told you I was available, but I didn't. I didn't know you was going to do this. See, it's the unseen. It's the unknown. He was invisible to me. I, I didn't know what he was doing. And I didn't know where he was. But I know this. I cried myself to sleep at night asking God, what, what's going on? And I pushed myself into outreach like crazy. I spent all my time doing outreach. And 
found families that praying for a church, praying for transportation to come get them to take them to church because uh, a, a young lady from Micronesia said, I've been asking God if there was anybody that could bring me to church because my husband has our vehicle and he works and I don't have a way to go, but I've been wanting to go to church and I found them. I said, well, you're an answer to prayer. I brought her to church and she got the Holy, she was my first new convert. She got the Holy Ghost. Didn't even know what the Holy Ghost was. So God always has a plan. And it could have been, it could have been that God was just breaking us in to make sure we're going to be real grateful when he gets us where he wants us. So when I got in the travel trailer, I was so thankful because our suitcases in one bedroom was pretty tight. So when I got in the travel trailer, I was so thankful. And then I was like, okay, God, what now? What's next? And so we were in the travel trailer for a year and doing best ministry, doing Sunday school, working with children, working with broken families. And then we uh, got an open door, unexpected, and God sent us to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And it was the will of God. God knew what he was doing. And we worked in best ministry for four years there. And learned a lot. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for my Baton Rouge experience. Because when you allow God to break you, he can use you. And so my husband was handed the keys to a bus. My daughter started uh, being a bus captain to one of the buses. She started bringing in 50 to 70 children every week to Sunday school. Well, see, I didn't know that God was preparing us for a city. Because while we were in Hope Corps, God started putting a burden on us for a city. My husband called me crying one day. He said, I feel, I feel a burden for a city, and I don't even know where it's at. He said, but there's cities without apostolic churches that's breaching. He said, I don't, I don't know where God's sending us, Cheyenne, but we got to pray and fast. How many knows that prayer and fasting really does work? Prayer is dynamite, but prayer with fasting is an atomic bomb. If you can't get an answer from God, push away from the table and watch what God will do. And so uh, with this burden for this city, oh, my goodness, God used uh, Brother Joel Buxton at peak um, preaching about the heartbeat of God, the calling of God. I'll never forget them turning on the sound of that baby's heartbeat in the womb. And, oh, my husband always worked the altars with young people. He always works the altars um, at peak with young people. But this time he never moved from his seat because he was crying so hard. And so when we got back from peak, we were praying and fasting, and he said, I don't know where this city is. He said, but I believe God's going to show us. A phone call in September came from out of nowhere and said, we need you to do disaster relief for FEMA, and we're sending you to Bradenton, Florida. I said, well, I've never even heard of Bradenton. I didn't even know it was on the map. And, you know, I had took a map out, and I had said, God, where do you want us? And I looked at the map to see if there was anywhere I could raise my kids and, and just in a nice, safe place. If you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. You just have to let God be God. And so we came to the city of Bradenton, worked here for three months, didn't know anybody. And I met a Chinese lady uh, at the dry cleaners, and Brother Fole had asked my husband to preach. 
and I invited her to church. Well, I didn't realize it was a real long drive between Bradenton and Tampa. Well, maybe not real long, but for people that's never went to church, yeah. And so I asked her to go with me. And she said, I am from Hong Kong, and I have lived here for 10 years in Bradenton, and I've never been invited to a church of any kind anywhere. I said, you've never been to a church? And she said, no. And I said, well, well, I want to invite you to church. Well, when I got back to the travel trailer, I just wept. I said, God, is she representing people in this city that's never been to a church? You know, cities are big. I think there needs to be apostolic churches every 30 minutes, every 25 minutes. There's too many people out there. Uh, we got to get them into the ha is his house. God said that my house may be filled. And so that was when the burden started, okay? Now, fast forward. I didn't know what God was doing. And I remember waiting for an answer. When, when is it time to leave? When is it time to go? We prayed and fasted for two years for Bradenton, Florida. And I remember right before God answered, I laid across my bedroom floor. And I remember weeping, and I asked God, why do I have such a burden for this place? And it's, the doors are not opening. What's happening? But there was just some things that had to take place. We had to get Shay Parker. That's how we met her. We were still in Baton Rouge. And God sent her right to us and, and, and worked all that out. And she's uh, Seth Parker's wife. See, God knew what he was doing. We just have to wait on God. And so God opened tremendous doors, and we're so excited. We, we get to Bradenton, and, and my husband had a phone number that he had found in 2018, and he put it in the back of his phone, and, and, and he never told me because in that process of praying and of asking, he didn't want to get my hopes up, and he didn't want me saying, well, let's call about that building because he just didn't feel it was time just yet. We was just in that process. You ever been in a waiting room? It ain't fun. But if we're focused on that door opening to where that's all we're looking at, we'll miss what God is doing in the waiting room. So he had this number. The doors opened phenomenal, okay? Mind-blowing how God did this. And uh, I looked at the buildings, and I don't know about y'all, but, you know, I, this is a new city for me, and I'm from a little bitty town, so this was way out of my comfort zone, really. And I looked at all these buildings, and they're like $2.7 million buildings and multi-million. I'm like, uh, how do you start a home missions work in a city like this? Because I don't have $2.7 million or $6,000, $8,000 a month to rent a small building and storefronts are almost that high. I'm like, okay, God, what are we going to do? See, I couldn't see him. It was the unknown to me. And I didn't really want to start in a storefront. And, and it wasn't because I was too good. It's just because I wanted a church. I wanted a church building. I believe you can ask God. Make your request known to God. It wasn't that I was too good for a storefront. I just wanted a church building. And so 
I called that number. My husband gave me permission. He said, you call and talk to him. He said, because uh, he was away, he was away working. And he said, you call and talk to him and see if it's even available. And it was. And so would y'all believe that God opened the doors for us to get our first building on a 10-acre campus that is absolutely beautiful? It's beautiful. We have a hibiscus garden. We have a pond in the back and a pavilion area. And oh, my goodness. And something that I uh, was looking at before I moved, I wanted the moss and the trees. Well, it's full of them. So isn't God mindful of his people? And so now I'm going to tell you this. And you guys, if you're done, you tell me because I don't want to go over. I don't want to go over. I'm going to hurry through this. I'm almost finished. Is that okay? So we take the oldest building on the campus, okay, because it had Sunday school rooms, two bathrooms, an office. So we needed that. Now, I know home missions work sometimes starts in hotel conference rooms. But for us, that was not an option because we started with bus ministry. And it was not an option to start without it. So God was mindful, and he gave us this building. And, and the lease uh, was cheaper than anything else. It's, uh, it comes to about $4,000 a month. Well, let me just tell you, he's a miracle worker. He's a miracle worker. He is a miracle worker. God always makes a way. And so we got in this building, and I was so thankful because I kept telling God, God, whatever you bless us with, I know that's what you want for us, and I will be so grateful. And I walked into this old building, and I walked into the kitchen, and I cried. I said, dear God, this thing come from Noah's Ark. What am I going to do? And you ever seen that real low ceilings, that plastic, dingy-looking tiles? They're plastic, and they're real low, and they touch the cabinets. That's what it was, and it was yellow walls. And my girls were saying, Mom, you can't shabby-chic the church, because I love shabby-chic. Mom, you can't do that to the church. This is not your house. It's a church. Well, I guess I didn't know how to decorate a church. So I went to God. God, how do I decorate this church? Hey, me and God's got a special relationship. I talk to him about things. But you know what? It's his house, and I don't want his house to be less decorated than what my house was. I wanted his, I want his house to be beautiful. And so I started tearing things out. And precious Brother Woods came all the way from Louisiana, and him and his son helped me. And I'm so thankful. God's going to bless them for helping and working. This is all about kingdom work. And y'all know, y'all know what? If you ever pass by Bradenton, just stop and look at the kitchen. And I'm not bragging on it. I'm just telling you that it come a long ways. It come a very long ways. <laughs> but that little bitty kitchen has fed a lot of people, a lot of hungry souls. And I thank God for the kitchen at Calvary Apostolic Church. And so we got it painted and it started looking nice and we just wasn't quite finished. But we wanted to go ahead and introduce Sunday School. And so we have our first introduction to Sunday school outside under the pavilion. 
We were so excited. We hit the streets. We knocked doors. Told them about Sunday school. I knock on doors, and them kids looked at me in them streets, and they go, I go to school. I go to school Monday through Friday. I went, you ain't never been to Sunday school before? What is that? And it smote my heart. You don't know how many kids told me that. We had teenagers, 18 years old, come to the church and said, this is my first time ever in a church. I've never been to a church before. We had our first Sunday school introduction. And y'all, when I talk about God crushing you, and if you can stand the crushing, see, I didn't know what God was going to do. You got to have faith. If you're going to live for God, you've got to have faith. You've got to believe the impossible. So after, uh, after our children done their object lesson, um, my husband gave his first lesson, you know, in Sunday school to them, to these new people. And at altar, I watched to see the response, Sister Hulk. And you know what? There was grown adults crying. And you could feel the presence of God outside on that campus. See, that campus had never heard truth before. And so that was the very beginning of Calvary Apostolic Church. And you know what is so awesome is some of those, uh, several, a lot, of those that came that day are still with us. Isn't that awesome? And so, so what happened is we, were, we had the, the mentality of, okay, because uh, we had worked, you know, with bringing in over 600 every Sunday morning. So we had the mentality of huge areas. And Danielle was in Sunday school with Sister Whitley's mama who taught Danielle so much. And I'm so thankful for what Sister Carol's done for her. And, you know, 110, 120 little sprouts, that's a lot of little children. So Danielle's operating with this mentality. And here we are in a little, <laughs> little home missions work. So uh, all of us was ready for 600 people. And so we got this mentality, but there was, there's only a few of us. And so we're working, <laughs> Sister Bree, she knows, we're working double trying to get every, make everything work. Let's get the breakfast on. Uh, you know, make sure the classes have got something to drink. And so when the bus is pulled up, uh, or before the bus is pulled up, we was putting biscuits in the oven. And Sister Bree was making the drinks, and I opened the oven door, and it falls off in the floor. I said, what is this? Sister Bree, she will vouch for me. This happened. That's why she's laughing. I don't know why this happened, but it did. The kitchen sink stopped up that morning and would not drain. The plug-in for the microwave wouldn't work, and the can opener broke. I said, dear God, we don't have time for this. I'm a home missions pastor's wife. I don't have time for this. Bree said, it's okay. It, it, it'll be all right. The devil's mad at us. So I pick that oven door up, and I hold it to bake the biscuits. <laughs> you know what? God is so good to us. We don't have to have everything perfect. If we can just give God a spirit of excellence, if we can work with the broken things, I said, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me here? Because I feel like God does try to teach us stuff when things like this happen. I, okay, God, what am I missing? 
uh, I want to hear what you're saying. And so that morning, everything you can imagine went wrong. And so we're rushing across the campus to the Sunday school room. We've got carts. We're wheeling and we're trying to get drinks and biscuits over there, hot biscuits. Thank God the oven did work. I just had to hold it there for a little bit. And I'm, I'm on my way and I'm rushing. And all of a sudden I see something moving and I knew it was a snake. And I can't stand snakes. I'm scared to death of them. And that morning I just went, well, good morning. How are you? I was ready to face it with a smile. And so I get home and, and we survived it. Good Sunday school, good, good turnout. Them kids responded to the word of God. You just don't let nobody know what's happening in the kitchen. Just focus on the souls that's coming in. Okay, so that happened. So then, then we baptized. I, I remember praying and praying and praying. I was like, God, I, I, want, I want somebody to get baptized. I want our, you know, our, young, our young people coming in off the buses, I want them to get baptized. And it just seemed like it took a while. But you got to plant seeds. you got to get the seed in the ground. And, and guess what? Our first young person got baptized in Jesus' name and got filled with the Holy Ghost. 16 years old. Had never felt it in her life. And I was so excited. I was like, yes. And I get home, and we got a crowd to feed that night. We, we had a lot there. And, and I was at my travel trailer, and I was cooking barbecue, and I had a big platter in my hands, and I had bought me some new shoes, and they were wedge heels, and I will never do it again. And I didn't know. I didn't know what was fixing to happen. But everybody's out taking people home. My husband and children were on the buses. And... Um, going down the steps of my travel trailer, and I didn't make it anywhere. My, my wedge heel slipped, and all that food and the big platter I was holding, I fell all the way down those steps and hit concrete, and my legs went in underneath me, and I was hurting. I couldn't move. I got broken pickles, broken glass pickles all around me, bread, barbecue everywhere, and I couldn't move. And I knew, they were, I knew they were gone, but Josh and Bree had made it home, and I remembered that, and I started hollering for Josh. And I screamed his name twice, and he, he come to me. He said, what happened? And I was crying, and I said, Josh, I need you to pray for me right now. I was hurt. He, is, he, he was, I can't say that about him now, but he was not the type then that would just openly pray out loud in front of people. See, God's been working in his life, too, with this home missions work. And I'm so thankful for what God's doing. He's over our homeless ministry now. And they cooked for the homeless this morning. And, oh, God is so good to us. He's so mindful. But Joshua Lynn prayed for me. And you know what? When my husband got there, I didn't want him to move me without him. And he helped me up. And when I stood to my feet, I heard this, in both feet, and felt it. I don't know how many bones is in my feet, but whatever happened, God put them, God put them in place. Now, I could not walk for several days, okay? I didn't go to the hospital. I didn't want that hospital bill. But 
there was a reason why that happened. So I couldn't walk for several days. I got the phone out and text First Lady of the Rock Church, and I was just fixing to hit sand, and I said, nope, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. She's, she's got a whole church to take care of. I said, God, I need you to move for me. So me and God had some serious talks those few days, and I kept thinking about the broken oven door, and I thought my knees were messed up. I couldn't walk for several days. And so you know how the devil will work that over and put fear in your mind. And so a few weeks went by, and you know what? Believe it or not, God, God did touch me, and I was able to walk normal because I had thought I would never walk normal again. And I did have a limp, but it was okay. I was still usable. I was still workable. See, sometimes God just has to break you. So I got, I got past that, so thankful that God touched me. And then I woke up one morning with a burden on my heart for my husband. And I prayed for him. And I prayed a hedge of protection around him. And 20 to 30 minutes later, he calls me. He said, Cheyenne, I just want you to know everything's okay. But I was in a wreck a while ago. And he said, a truck come over three lanes and hit me. And he said, the truck is messed up pretty bad. He said, uh, I took a hard hit, but the police are here now. I just want you to know I'm okay. But when he got home, he really wasn't okay. He was alive, thank God. But it messed up his back. See, I was saying, God, we're home missions. This ain't supposed to happen. See, we got work to do. This is, this is like a setback. I didn't, I didn't know what God was doing. And y'all are not going to believe this. Everything broke, okay? I thought something was wrong with me. I thought, there's got to be something wrong. How can a refrigerator go out on the same day a deep freeze goes out? That don't even make no sense. These things don't have brains, do they? And then the dishwasher at the church wouldn't work. It flooded. We tried to, work, tried to use it. I said, I really need this dishwasher. It'll help me a lot. And it flooded the whole kitchen. So I said, okay, I'll just go without a dishwasher. Thank you, God, for the trouble. Thank you, God, for the trouble. Thank you for the broken things. So Seth and them started a business with dump trucks. Would you believe both dump trucks tore up. Well, they're supporting a home missions work. It did not make sense to me. God, what are you doing? I wrestled with this one. This was pretty rough for me. I couldn't understand it. Danielle's car broke down. <laughs> She's our Sunday school director. She's got to have her car. God. It still broke down. They don't know what's wrong with it. Something's wrong with this, the brain of the car got water in it. Sometimes it flooded, and it's still messed up. And the shop guy's saying, well, I don't, I got to look at it some more. Okay. I told Danielle, I told Danielle, I said, did you, have you been thanking God for everything that's going on? She's nodding. I went, well, did you thank God for your broke car? She went, no. 
I said, well, do it. Just thank God for your broke car. Okay, then my infinity messed up. Well, I needed it. I pick up people for church. I bring people to midweek service. I got to have my car. Sister Shay let me use hers. Sometimes you got to let God break. Okay? All right. Bree went to ride my new bike. I got it for Mother's Day. It's a three-wheeler. <laughs> Didn't know I was going to do that. But I'm getting older, and I, li I like to bike ride with the babies. Bree calls me one day. Shy, I took your bike out for a ride, and the chain just broke. I went, you're joking. She said, no, it just broke. So I'm telling you all of this. Because I think there had to be some crushing on me and my family. Because God's opening doors now that we wouldn't have been ready for if it hadn't have been for all that. Two children that we found years ago in 2015 become part of our family. And we took them to McDonald's, got them Happy Meals. Uh, took them to church. They got baptized in Jesus' name. My husband baptized them. They got the Holy Ghost. She had her little face buried in the, in the altar. Danielle was praying with her. And everybody thought she had went to sleep eight years old. And my pastor at that time said, you might want to check on her. I think she's asleep. And I went, and Danielle silently crying and praying for her. And I just laid my hand on her back, and that little girl was sobbing. I said, sissy, just raise your hands. God wants to give you the Holy Ghost. Sister Holt, when she raised her head, she was already speaking in tongues. God had already visited that little girl. When God opened the doors and moved us to Louisiana, I cried all the way down the interstate because I was leaving those two children. I didn't know what God was doing. But they moved to another place, another town. And I was able to locate them. And I called an apostolic church and talked to the pastor and pastor's wife. And I said, I got two children that just moved to your town. Can you bring them to Sunday school? And he said, yes, ma'am, we will. They started going to Sunday school in that new little town. A month went by. And they called me and said, we can't find them. We don't know what happened. We don't know where they are. I said, okay. I went to praying and fasting. Couldn't get in contact with anybody. And through an ex-family member, I found out that they were taken into foster care because they were found in an abandoned van. Broke my heart. I could not get in touch with a caseworker. I didn't know what to do. I called number after number. In Baton Rouge, I remember the little phone calls before this took place. They'd say, is the bus coming to get us in the morning? I'd say, yes, it is. And then it wasn't four weeks, and they're gone. No trace. I don't know where they're at. But God knew. But God knew. It wasn't time for me to know where they was because I was in transition. So God had to get me to Bradenton, and we've been here a year, a little over a year, and Right before September, 
God reminded me of Sister Bobby Wendell when she prayed for me at Brother Holmes's camp meeting. And she prophesied over me and said, Sister Parker, God has anointed you to be a voice for the abused. And I sat down in my living room and began to cry. And I said, God, have I failed these two children? Because I don't even know where they are. Sometimes you just got to trust God when you can't see what he's doing. And I felt God impress on me to call the number again. Call the numbers that I couldn't get a hold of the first time when I, I was all in that transition process. I called the number and they answered on the first ring. And I said, I need to talk to such and such caseworker. And the next day, the caseworker called me. And I said, I've been trying to find these children for two years. I said, they were part of my family. And I said, where are they? Well, she talked to me. I said, do they have family to help them? She said, no, ma'am. None. I said, well, I'm here in Florida, and they're in another state. How does that work? And is this even, is it even a possibility for me? She said, do you want them? I said, yes, I do. She had, the little girl was eight then and 10 years old, the little boy, the brother and sister, and now they're 13 and 15. I found out that the little girl had been placed in a facility for almost two years. For the last two years, that's where she's been. No contacts, no contact with family. She, she has nobody. And so I said, can I talk to her? She's going to know who I am. She said, let me talk to him first. She called him. He said, oh, we know who she is. Can we talk to her? Now, can you imagine being an orphan in an orphanage and having nobody? And all of a sudden, there's a past Sunday school teacher that says, I want to talk to her. I know, I, know where she, I know who she is. Can you imagine somebody wanting to talk to you? They let me talk to her. They let me on the phone with her. I said, do you remember my husband baptizing you? She said, yes. I said, do you remember getting the Holy Ghost? She said, yes. I said, sissy, we're in Florida and we're, we're building an apostolic church. She said, I've been praying. I've been writing letters to God. The little girl writing letters to God. I said, sissy, what you been praying for? She said, dear God, will you help me find a home? See, she couldn't see where God was. But what happened is they put her in a facility with a church, and she's been going to church for two years, and she's been finding out the love of God, okay? Truth was embedded in her as a young child, but she's been praying. So she, she asked me, she said, do you know that song, Oceans? I said, uh, tell me the words. And and. She's in an orphanage with 20 other girls, and you can hear them. They get loud. She tells them to hush. They don't listen to her, of course. And it's loud and, and noisy, and all of a sudden, she goes, can you, can you sing it? I said, sure. And I started singing. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters 
wherever you may call me. And all of a sudden, the noise just went quiet. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. And I couldn't hear anything. She said, I put you on speaker. They're listening to you. <laughs> and you know what happened? They're going to be here in January. Is that not God? You know why? Because I need some laborers in Bradenton, Florida with a burden to help me. You know what she told me? It's so sad. These girls that I'm with, they don't have no family. And they see me talking on the phone to you and they know I'm moving. And I said, Sissy, God knows who they are. And you know what? I introduced the supervisors to Apostolic Sunday School, Brother Philip Booker. And I'm on the phone with them. He says, is this it? And I said, turn it on. Let me see. And they turn it on. It's got the little moose sound, Brother Philip Booker's voice. They are watching Apostolic Sunday School in an orphanage that's never had truth. And you know what? The little boy, the 15-year-old boy, he said, I can't wait to get there. I want to hear your husband preach. So see what God's doing. When you don't know what he's doing, when you can't see where he's at, he's in the broken things. And all them things that was breaking and maybe still be, I don't know. God was showing me that the broken people, the, he's sending me the broken. My, my breakfast cook used to be homeless, a severe alcoholic, used to be a drug addict. She told me she was doing crack the day we knocked on her door. You know what? She got the Holy Ghost right here in this altar on a Tuesday night. She got baptized in Jesus' name. She loves cooking for the breakfast kids. If anybody wants to follow our church, you can see Brother John Boy. He was in a homeless camp. We took dinners out there. Didn't even know he was there. And found him in the prison. The prison he got sent to, my husband was doing Bible studies there, him and my son. And, and Brother John Boyd got placed in the recovery pod with that Bible study. Isn't that something? Well, now he's got the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, severe heroin addict, but not no more. 26 heroin overdoses, almost killed him. But God. He's doing Hope Corps in January. <laughs> Sister Taylor, stand up. Raise your hand. 11 years old, she got the Holy Ghost on a Sunday night in the prayer room. Prayed and spoke in tongues for an hour. She got baptized in Jesus' name, and she is wearing her first Sunday dress to the first ladies' conference that she's ever been to. And she's faithful. You know who set up, set up tablecloths and tables and drinks for me for anniversary service? Her and another one of our Sunday school children, Brother Mark. He's a good God. Thank him for the broken things. Thank him. If you got trouble, thank God for it. Thank him. He's a good God. He's worthy of our praise. If anybody wants to pray, you can do that. If you want to be broken, you got to mean it. When you tell God you want to be broken, you got to mean it. But if you mean it, 
if he can break you, he'll bless you. He'll bless you. Can you stand and give God praise? If you're praying and you feel like nothing's happening, never stop believing and trusting God. Because the times that you're driving down the road and the tears are rolling down your face, let God minister to you. See, what's happening with Sister Taylor is her mom came to our anniversary service, slipped in the back door. She's not got baptized yet, but she, she told me, she said, what are y'all doing to my kids? Something's happening to them. And so that's how you bring them in. You, 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 gotta, you gotta work with who God gives you. And the prison ministry is blowing up. There's not even enough. There's not enough Bible studies. I prayed over this conference and I said, God, I don't know the needs of everybody here. But I just have this feeling that somebody's got a burden and they don't know what to do with it. They don't know what to do. Or maybe you just feel like it's a closed door. If you show God you're willing, if you'll show God that you're willing to do the things that nobody else wants to do. Did you know I'm in a travel trailer? And I just said yes to foster children. What am I gonna, what am I gonna do? God, I can't see you, but I know you're there. <laughs> Sister Sanders in Bastrop, Louisiana said, Sister Parker, God owns all the houses and all you need is one. He's gonna give you the keys to a house. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know what, where, who, but God, I trust you. I can't wait. I, I didn't know. I didn't know at 41 God was going to give me foster children, but they're not going to be foster children long. We're going to adopt them. They're going to be Parkers. But see, God set up the solitary in families. Just to be close to you. You want to be close to him? Just to be close to you. Just to be I'm sorry if I took too much time. I just wanted to give God glory. If you need something in your life, just to be close. He brought you here on purpose. Just to be close. There may be an orphanage in your city. Just to be close. With children that she she was taping the letters to the ceiling saying do you think God was getting my letters? I said, well, he did because I'm on the phone with you. This is a miracle. But see, God sees the heart. Are you, are you, are you in a place where God can use you? Are you in a place that you need to be broken? Just to be close to you. Just to be close to you, God. Just to be close. Just to be close to you, God. Just to be close to you. See, my husband's having surgery December 8th. And we were supposed to go see them and meet them and, and get to talk to them. And 
now it looks like I'm going to have to get on the plane without my husband because he'll have to recover. But sometimes God just sends you to do things and you just, I'll never tell God no. I don't even like flying. But if God sends me, he's going to take care of me. And when I walk in that orphanage, I've already got permission. I've already got permission to bring a piano in there. I don't know what God's going to do, but I trust him. I trust him. What if God fills him with the Holy Ghost? Hey, this truth is for everyone. It's a promise. Can we pray right now, God? Whoever's listening, whoever's here tonight. God, you see, Lord, you see the needs in your kingdom, God. You're calling laborers. God, if we can just trust you, Lord. Just to be close to Just to be close If you feel like God's not answering, you know how many times I've laid across the floor. I've laid across the floor and face down in the carpet. I've said, God, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. If you feel like you can't get an answer from God, lay across the floor and weep. I promise, I promise he'll answer. He'll answer you. See, he's calling. He's calling. We got to hear his voice. To be close we gotta to hear his voice. We gotta have a burden. We can't be, be apostolic and not have a burden. Sister Becky, if, you, if God had to move you 12 hours away to be a bus driver for a bus ministry and a home mission work, to be close she sold everything and moved 12 hours away from her mom and dad. To be close to her family. Just to be close but God's using her. He's a good God. Pray. Pray, and if you don't feel a burden, ask Just God to give you a burden. Because there's a little girl somewhere, there's a little boy somewhere Just that's praying and asking God for help. This is the search and rescue church. <laughs> this is one of the most powerful sewing in churches I've ever been in. And you know what? Well, there's no telling what God's going to do. There's no telling. But I'm telling God, I'm going to the orphanages Just in my city. I'm going to the orphanages. I start ladies' Just prison ministry in January. You. And you know what? Sister Susan, where's she at? God just moved a brand new family to our church. And she's going through drug recovery classes to become a licensed counselor. Just like me and my husband. We're fixing to start a drug recovery program where God's opening phenomenal doors. God just needed to see the faith. God, I'm willing. I'm willing to go to the prison. Somebody's crying.
Just to be